From Uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of a season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson. And we're joined by my three favorite co-hosts, whose teams each won this week and are in first place in their respective divisions. First up, we've got Seattle Seahawks strong safety, Jamal Adams. I want all the fans to say, praise, as soon as I come out, like, Oh, I feel it right now. I'm getting chills. Like, I can imagine him saying, praise. Like, that's that stuff I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on that. That's going to be live. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers tight end, Eric Ebron. 4-0. Ever since I started this podcast, I never lost. No. <laughs> and New Orleans Saints wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, the accent out here is it's 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 funny. How you doing, baby? That took some getting used to, especially when I had saw a white person talk like that. I thought it was like black people that talk like that. Then I saw a white person say, "Hey, baby." I said, "What the hell?" Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. Seventeen weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday. You can listen on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe. Rate five stars. Share the show, too, while you're at it. All right, let's get to the episode. It's time for The Breakdown. Week 5 came to a close a little later than usual. And man, did a lot go down. Atlanta's 0-5 start cost Dan Quinn his job. The Chiefs' surprising loss to the Raiders at Arrowhead. The continued incredible last-minute heroics of Russell Wilson. More on that in a few. And yes, more games rescheduled because of COVID. My co-hosts and their teams each notched big wins. In Seattle on Sunday night, the Hawks won another nail-biter. 27-26 over the Vikings as the clock ran out. Fires in How's it feel to be 5-0 for the first time in team history, Jamal? <laughs> hey, look, look, before we get started, man, you know, my voice is uh, a little bit low, a little bit dimmed, should I say. You know, a lot of screaming yesterday, man, a lot of emotion on the sideline. And, I mean, sheesh, I, I see what the fans feel when, you, you know, you have to watch. <laughs> You're on your edge of your seat. You don't know what's going on, but... Man, I tell you what, this team, this organization, man, we figure it out. It doesn't matter what everybody's saying about us. It don't matter about stats, what the defense has given up, and it don't even matter because at the end of the day, we are going to find a way to win, and we play the best situational football out there right now. Pete and, and John, they do a hell of a, hell of a job, and, 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 it, and it shows, man. It shows what type of character we have. In Pittsburgh, Eric caught five for 43 yards as the Steelers took care of the Eagles 38-29 to remain one of the two unbeatens left in the AFC at 4-0. What do you have to say about that, Eric? Ever since I started this podcast, I never lost. No, <laughs> no oh, it's cool, bro. Like, 4-0. Really should be five, but we'll talk about that week seven. But 4-0. Yeah, you know, never had a tight end like me either, so... 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's dope, bro. We got, bro, we got talent. And like, it's really getting hard to figure out who you want to stop now. What do you want to play? Like, we're actually forming this really good team. And uh, Ben's at the helm of it all, man. Ben's the perfect like leader for this group, man. Um, a young group. I, I'm young in myself. Um, age-wise, experience-wise, you say I'm not, but age-wise, I'm still pretty young. And Ben's Ben's leading us good, man. It's, and we're 4-0. It's crazy. On a wild Monday night NOLA, the Saints came back from a 17-point deficit to defeat the L.A. Chargers 30-27 to in overtime. Pressure. It's Williams. And I think he's going to be oh, short. Marshawn Lattimore might have saved the game and won it for New Orleans. Emmanuel caught a career-high 12 passes, nearly doubling his season total in one game. Yeah, yeah, it felt good. Kind of frustrating at the same time as well. As a team, I just feel like we're not playing our best ball. You know, everybody can see it. And, you know, in my opinion, we're a championship-caliber team. We got everything that could be there. So at some point, uh, you know, certain teams, we can't we can't allow teams to go up 14 points on us. We just can't allow it. And, you know, obviously, yeah, we won in a game, and it's good that we won, but at the same time, it's actually it's one of those situations where you're like, we got some shit to correct, right? And so we got to get better. And that, that's, what's, that's what's really on my mind because I, I came to New Orleans to win the championship, you know? Jamal, you guys get some kind of added thrill making games so close? You know, it, I mean, it's, it's so funny you say that because it's like, you know, these games are what's going to make us, it's going to help us in the long run. You know, because we've already been in those tight situational games to where it can go back and forth. We throwing jabs and, you know, that's what it's about. And early on, we've had some tough games to where we've came down to the wire. But that just that just shows how much grit, how much swagger, how much confidence this this team has right now. Like we haven't even played our best ball yet and we're not even fully healthy yet. And when we get to that that special moment to where everybody's on the field, everybody's really, really clicking on one and playing situational football even better than what we're doing right now, that's the that's the special thing that we all feel and everybody's feeling that over here. So it's exciting, bro. Although Jamal was inactive Sunday with his groin injury, he still found a way to contribute in a very Jamal way. You know, it's so funny. Man, I was in the I was in the press box you know, I was in I was in the the box watching the the first half of the game, and um, you know the first half went on, and obviously we went down 13-0 at half. Um, we had some, we had some positives, but we had a lot of negatives, and that wasn't really Seahawk football in the first half. Some of the guys, you know, they was like, "Ma, you gotta go down there, man. They ain't got no juice." I'm like, you know, they're just bad. They, you know. We, Couple, couple here and there plays that we could have did better, whatever. But we're we're, we're still in the game, thirteen zero at half, and they were like, "Nah, ma, nah, ma, like <laughs> you got to go down there and give them that energy." <laughs> and when they said that, I thought about. It, I'm like, "Damn, we don't look like ourselves from up top." This I haven't seen this Seahawk team look like this before. Like I seen a little juice, but I didn't see the juice and the swagger like we always had. I said, you know what, y'all right. And I ran, I literally text our equipment guy, EK. I text Mo Kelly. I'm like, yo, y'all come get me right now. I'm coming down. Rain, sleet, or snow. 
I'm coming down. As bad as it hurts, I'm coming down to give him the juice, to, to feel like I'm there. You know what I mean? And as soon as I got down there, threw on my rain gear, it ran out there, man. And it was the first thing that, that came out of my mouth. Is, it was a timeout. And I was like, man, let's go. Just energy. Let's go. Let's just bringing the juice, coming on the sideline, dapping everybody up because I wanted everybody to feel the energy, bro. We, we, we the best doing it right now. We still have this swagger about ourselves, and let's not lose it because of a, 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 a bad half. Like, like y'all, y'all, like, let's be the Seahawks. Like, y'all been doing this, man. Like, don't lose that edge. Keep that edge, no matter what. So that was me just trying to, you know, be one of the leaders on the team and go down there, go down there and impact the game off the field somehow. And I'm not taking all the credit for it, but I'm just happy to be a part of it, man. I'm, I'm obviously I'm just trying to get myself back, um, get healthy. I'm in better spirits. Obviously, I was down last week, um, but man. It feels good, bro. It feels damn good to be 5-0. As Roethlisberger throws, Claypool makes the catch. His fourth touchdown today. Eric had a front row seat to Steeler wide receiver Chase Claypool's franchise record-setting four TD receptions. A teammate he's especially tight with. Chase usually lines up to my side every play, so of course, because I, I take up all the attention. Nah, I'm just kidding. I, just, I do make plays for Chase. But I did see it, bro, because he came in and he was, um, first of all, he's smart. He's a finance major. Let's, let's start with that. So he's smart as hell. And he came in with such a, such a cool, relaxed Bible bottle, man. It was something just like he was picking up plays. He was making plays. He was never, like, out there about it. He just came in, worked, did his thing as a rookie, and, and you just saw it. Now, four touchdowns. That's a, just a day, bro. It's like, it's a moment you'll never forget, especially for him so young in his career. It's, it's a day. It's like one of those things you think about when you're playing football in the backyard, throwing a football in the air with your friends or your, your cousins or whatever at a barbecue. And you, you know, you just have like one of those days. And for him, I'm proud of him. He works his butt off of that. Four games into the season in Pittsburgh, is it still too early to ask if you're becoming the guy Big Ben turns to in key situations? Do you feel there's a chemistry developing between you two, Eric? It comes with trust, too. And I think we're starting to pick up on that. And it's dope to see because some of those situations with Ben's, you know, in pressure or under pressure, he's starting to find, you know, his go-to guys. And for me to have been there, I think all of my catches went for first downs, man, to continue to be there and that safety net, continue to keep doing that for Ben. It's dope. He got a little pressure, man. Um, he moved through the pocket. Uh, he was supposed to hit me early. He didn't. I saw what he was trying to do, so I gave the defender a little move. Uh, his arm got hit. I saw it, so I had to readjust to the ball. And it was really just luck, man. Usually a game, a game, you know, plays like that are a lot of luck in it and just, you know, muscle memory, man. You know, you just have to understand what kind of situation your quarterback was in. I saw him under pressure, and I had to really make a play for him. And with those plays, man, Bill's trust, and Ben will continue to come to me for those situations. In the final seconds of regulation, Chargers kicker Michael Badgley attempted a 50-yard field goal to win the game. Emmanuel, in those situations, do you watch or turn away? Yeah, I watch. I knew he was going to miss it. I knew he was going to miss it because he missed the, the first kick. So for me, I'm like, I'm like, this dude is like mentally psyched out. You know, like he's mentally psyched out. That's just that was just my feeling. Like I didn't have a feeling that he gonna make it. I even told Cal, I said he about to miss his kick. 
Like I just I just knew it because he missed the opening. But if he would have ever missed the opening, I would be like, man, game over, you know. But uh, I think Sean Payton did a good job too of calling the timeout at the perfect time and psyching him out even more. And so you know, but yeah, it's all part of our destiny. You know, we was meant to we was meant to win that game. But here we go, two games where you know we come down fourteen and uh, we ended up winning them. So I don't know what God got in store for this team, but I guess He's preparing us for something. Can the Saints afford to keep getting so far behind in games? Emmanuel, are you concerned? Uh, nah, I won't I won't work. Cause, you know, I, I know that we did that versus the Lions as well. But I was like, dang, like, do we always have to do this? Because, you know, obviously as a four offensive player, like you like, it's even more pressure on you, right? Cause it's like that that third and five, like you gotta catch that thing now, like, right? Like everybody has to execute at a high level to try to dig yourself out of a ditch. And so it's a place where I know where I have to go. And sometimes I don't like to go there, right? Like I go, I go like bunkers. Like I don't care about nothing. I don't care about the defense. Like I'm talking shit. Like I don't care. Like I'm trying to win a game. Ain't no friends. It's none of that, right? And so I had to go there yesterday. Which I don't have a problem going there, but at the end of the day, like, I like playing up where I'm just kind of laughing at dudes, right? And I don't have to be all aggressive, but, you know, I'm open to whatever. You know, I'm just trying to win a game. Do you feel like you and Drew are developing that elusive chemistry yet? Maybe uh, week one or two on this podcast, I was saying how, you know, as of right now, like, I got to earn Drew's trust. And that, that, that goes the same for Sean Payton. Sean came out opening game. Obviously, he was trying to get me involved, but he he really wasn't trying to get me involved. How I know him to get me involved. And then the second half, like, I could just feel he was trying to get me involved. He was thinking, like, when he was looking at his call sheet of a way to get me the ball instead of saying, like, okay, I'm just going to run this play. Like, I can just sense that he was trying to find ways to get the ball in my hands. So hopefully, you know, uh, going forward, you know, with Mike coming back, like he can think from a, a standpoint of, all right, let me get the ball in Mike hand. Let me get the ball in E hand. Let me get the ball in Lavin Kamara hand instead of just trying to execute and move the ball, right? Because, uh, you know, a wise man once told me uh, players are are, are are more important than the play, right? And uh, you got to think from a player standpoint when you're designing plays. On Sunday night, Tony Dungy took to Twitter saying, I don't know how the Seahawks are doing it, but they remain undefeated. Jamal, you retweeted it. I seen that and I was like, hold on, man. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on, OG. Like, I respect you, bro. I really do. But it was like, you don't know how we're doing it. Come on, man. We're finishing. You can't, you can say what you want about this team, but you can't take away from the fact of we know how to finish and we find a way. You can you can you can put all the stats you want out there, man, but you cannot question our heart. You cannot question our finishing, our fight to the end. It don't matter. I, you know, I didn't really like hearing that because it was, it was like, man, give credit, man. Like we, 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 we balling, bro. I have so much respect for that, man. Obviously, but we've been hearing that. You know, that's been the, the talk about Seattle. It's like, come on, man. You can say what you want, but we finding ways to finish, and that's all that matters. The W. All that matters is those W's. It's simple, bro. <laughs> five and O? Say what you want. <laughs> we're five and O, and we're the only team that's five and O right now. Give us credit. Man, miss me with that other stuff, man. Hey, there's a lot of teams that will beg right now to be five and O. 
Although the Steelers came out on top, Eric understands he learns more from his failures, like his fourth quarter fumble. Man, dog, it's dope to like rewatch it, honestly, because in the situation, you know, we had this play called and I thought exactly, I knew exactly what Ben was looking for. Uh, a quick play to get yards. We wasn't going to get the first, but we didn't want to leave them good field, I mean, with good field position. So we were just trying to nitpick. And I knew what he wanted. I tried to sit in the zone. I snapped around quick enough, um, caught the ball. And as soon as I tried to secure it, man, I'm still rehabbing my thumb. Like, dude just hit my hand in the perfect spot. And I never fumbled, so I'm not, I'm not like, oh, God, oh, it's a fumble. Like, no, it's, it happens. Like, these are athletes that get paid. These are guys that are trained to do the exact opposite of what I'm doing. So um, he made a great play. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, I had this one catch as well where they lodged the ball out. And I made a great play to move the ball away from the one defender, but the other defender came and hit the way I was trying to move the ball, like, man, I just can't do nothing in this fourth quarter. And what made it worse was, like, it was a significant point in the game. You know what I'm saying? The Eagles had a little momentum. We get the ball. We're moving the ball. And, you know, it was kind of like two shifts that, you know, a player like me shouldn't make. But it was dope because now it just brings you back, like, okay, you are vulnerable to these things. So, you know, just do better next week. Shoot. I mean, what was what can I do? <laughs> While analysis and reflection are a part of this process, Eric also knows he can't dwell on it. No, nah, I got to move on. I mean, it affects me in the game, of course. Like, I'm pissed at myself because it's something I don't do. I was having a good game. You make those two catches. You secure that one. You secure that one. You know, you have a seven-catch game or six-catch game for whatever ever amount of yards. Oh, man, you just you just go to the sideline and you just, you just, you just, you just go. You just don't look nobody in the face. You just, you just go. <laughs> nah, bro, just, just, no, just go sit down. <laughs> no, nothing. I was balling, so, like, I can't just be like, oh, you know, bro made a good play. Like, it's football, bro. Great play. Not too many people make those plays on me. Good, good job. Good job, bro. Like, good job. The head athletic trainer came up to me. He goes, you know, I've seen Jerome Bettis fumble plenty times. And I was like, I get it. Like, it happens. But, like, the mentality of a competitor is to never let it happen. So, my mentality is to never let someone, you know, one-up me. You know, you ever seen the Marshawn Lynch say, you know, I'm going to get mine more than I get got. Hey, that's kind of like, that's kind of like how you think about it. Like, I, I got to get my, he, I got got. Finally. I got got. Now I got to go get my SMO. You know what I'm saying? You're coming off another big win. But next week is Seattle's bye week. Worried about losing momentum, Jamal? So we don't take this for granted, bro. Yeah, we celebrated for the 24 hours. Obviously, you know, it's our bye week right now, and so we can celebrate it a little longer. But, man, we we, we on and popping to, to Arizona, man. We we on a mission. <laughs> we, we focused. We not, we not, there's no vacations. There's We locked in a bubble, bro, our own bubble. We focus on one mission, bro. We're not, we're not taking this bye week to... Slack off? No, 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 no. Jamal, you've missed the last couple of games. What's the prognosis? Nah, yeah, yeah, I wasn't ready yet. You know, one thing I won't do is I won't, you know, as bad as it, it, as it hurts me to not be on the field, as bad as it hurts me not to be out there with my teammates and going to war with those boys and fighting, I'm not going to get out there if I'm not myself because I feel like I'm slowing them down. I'm hurting the team. I'm not trying to hurt the team. Whenever I feel ready to go, I'm going to go. 
Listen, man, I would, I would, I, I, I would do anything to be on that field ASAP right now. Last week, the the games that I miss, like, I miss practice. I miss all that. It's big. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. Can't wait to make make plays with the, with the fellas again and celebrating with those boys, man. I can't wait to feel that, man. That 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 impact of hits and talking noise. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. Emmanuel, next week's the Saints bye week too. What's a bye week like when you have to remain in a bubble during COVID? Oh, well, the bad thing is, is we can't go anywhere because we got to get COVID tested. Uh, you know, that's better. That's better than not having a bye week at all because some teams don't even don't even get a bye week. So I was talking to one of my boys today and he said, he said, man, you got an early bye. I'm like, listen, I'm not complaining. I said, because at the end of the day, if we wait later in later in the season, we might not get a bye because one team might get COVID, and the next thing you know, they don't push it to our bye week, and we don't have a bye week, right? So, you know, I, I'll take it. I'll take it, you know, right now um, and, you know, play the rest of the season out. What's a normal bye week like for you? I'll go to Miami and hang out, hang out on the water, uh, just get my family away, right? Like, you know, just chill, relax, watch some football, work out, uh, but get around a, like a scenic-type view uh, so I can take my mind away from football because – Man, this game is streams. So a lot of people don't understand, like, especially playing my position, like, every day that, that I go to work, like, it's strenuous, right? Because every day I got to go, I got, I probably catch at practice alone probably 40 balls, 50 balls, and these balls are coming all type of directions, right? Running full speed, driving on the dime. And for me, I hold myself to the highest standard. So every day I'm saying do not drop a pass at practice at all. Like if I drop a ball at practice, like that just as my wife, like that just ruins my whole day. So my wife always says, like during the season, I'm a different person than in the off season. And I'm like, of course, because I got, you know, I put so much pressure on myself to want to be great, right? That, you know, it, it can it can change my my personality a little bit, and and sometimes like I'll be wondering, oh, it should be talking to me. I'll be thinking about my plays and thinking about a play that I I didn't do right or something. So I guess it's natural. Not to rub it in, Eric, but the Steelers had your bye week forced on you when the Tennessee game was postponed in week four. Yeah, uh, we played Cleveland this week. Yeah. I, man, I don't, I don't play about divisional games, man. I, it is what it is. Like, I'm new to this division. So I play them twice, right? So what am I going to do this first game to, you know, make sure that they know who I am? You know what I'm saying? I'm new to this division. What can I do to you let them know that I'm here, I'm a Steeler, and as long as I'm a Steeler... I'm here, man. I'm here for my teammates. I'm here to win. And how are you going to feel my pain week in and week out um, and know that I'm here? Like when we play against the Baltimore Ravens, we're like, oh, Lamar Jackson and the run game. And we play against, you know, the Browns. And we're like, you know, the dynamic receivers and Miles Garrett. Like you got these people, you know, they're probably worried about TJ Watt and you know, like, what can I be to in this conference to let them know that, you know, you have to see me twice a year. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to, to establishing this week. At least get a start in this division upon, you know, what kind of playmaker I am. So this would be fun. I love these type games. They count as two. That's how you think about it. This week on The Huddle Up. Eric Jamal and Emmanuel open up on what it's like relocating to and living in new cities with legendary fan bases and doing it during the pandemic. Emmanuel, I imagine a major reason you signed to the Saints was who that nation in the full on Superdome experience. What do you miss most about the fans not filling that place? Everything, bro. Everything. But 
And the good thing is, is I'm not the only one going through this. You know, I know Jamal probably, you know, he wants to go out in front of it. You know, that, 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 those fans are just crazy as well, you know, and that stadium would be rocking and just loud. So I'm sure he, he, he's missing, well, he misses that as well. So hopefully we get it back next season. They, they always talk about how, you know, COVID is literally like, this is not New Orleans. Like, this city is full of energy, like, the, like, diehard Saints fans. And, like, I haven't seen that side of it. And it's weird. Like, you know, and it, and it kind of sucks because that's one of the reasons why I signed with the Saints because I said I want to play in the Superdome in front of those fans because those fans are rowdy. Like, the, the game last night, it was on Monday Night Football, and the, the plays that I was making, those, that crowd would have been going crazy, right? I would have felt like a gladiator in that arena. Hopefully one day soon, the 12th man will be back, and you're going to get to feel Century League Field the way it's supposed to be, Jamal. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to, like, have the the intros. I've, I've dreamed of this, like, the, the intros. Like, I really wish them, if they can hear it right now, when the intros do come back and we get all the fans, I want all the fans to say, praise, as soon as I come out. Like, oh, I feel it right now. I'm getting chills. Like, I can imagine them. Like, that's, that's that that's that stuff I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on that. That's going to be live. <laughs> On Tuesday, it was reported the Saints are talking to LSU about possibly moving the games to Baton Rouge, where they'd be permitted to let more fans attend. What I want to know is, like, if we go to LSU Stadium, like, what occupancy will it be? Because it's definitely not going to be full capacity, right? So for ten to 15,000, right, fans, like, is that worth, like, all? Definitely a tough decision, you know, uh, for anyone to make, but... I guess, you know, from a revenue standpoint, it makes sense. The traditional Saints pregame has been eliminated, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. So they got uh, they got smoke when the team comes out and then they do uh, player introductions. But we don't even do that anymore. Thank God. Like, that would be weird, bro, if we still did a player. Does any team, do you know any team that does player introductions? Bro, I'm like, bro, you running out to an empty-ass uh, arena. All you hear is, like, two claps. It's like that, that, that your mom and your dad clapping. <laughs> All right, Eric, have you had a chance to explore much of Pittsburgh? So my favorite thing about Pittsburgh has to be like the morning drive in or the late drive out uh, when the sun's coming down or the sun's coming up. Man, Pittsburgh is so dope. The water line is so industrial-ish looking, but yet so pretty and like so weird because everything's built on these hills, but yet so dope. It's like it's like a, a city a city vibe of Portland-ish, but like, you know, everybody here is like these really like hard industrial like workers, man. That's just like what this place is like built on. It's like you can feel it when you're driving in and be like, oh, dog, this is like so dope. It's just a different feeling in Pittsburgh and it's it's really, really cool. It's really, really cool. Like I could... I really do like the vibe here. Uh, people are cool. Fans are dope when you meet them outside. Football, you know, they don't really harass you here, which is really cool. They just be like, hey, man, keep it up. Good job. We're rooting for you. Nothing like, you know, tapping you on your shoulder. Are you trying to eat with your family? Or they, they got so much respect here, man. It's dope. You didn't sign with Seattle until a few weeks ago before the season started. Jamal, have you had a chance to explore the Emerald City yet? Bro, I don't, I don't go anywhere. Bro, I'm locked in, literally, bro. I don't, I don't know anything about Seattle. My chef, my chef comes here every day. He cooks for me. 
Um, he's been cooking for me, obviously, you know, for a long, long time since college. He, he's the only one that comes to my house. And uh, so we, we understand. He understands. He understands what, you know, uh, what's at stake for me. You know, so he, he's not going to put me in harm and, and do anything to, you know, jeopardize, you know, what's going on, for, you know, with the team and jeopardize, you know, me being out there due to COVID. So it's, 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 it's working on my body, it's studying, it's, it's the same routine. I don't, I'm not changing my script, bro, I, you know, due to an injury. It's the same. Oh, I, I like watching ball. I like educating myself and reading and, you know, just trying to sharpen my mind at all times. Jamal, you must be looking forward to checking out the Seattle nightlife once the pandemic restrictions are lifted. No, nah, I'm focused, bro. I did all I did all that going out in New York. I don't need to do that, man. I got I got a, I got enough of that. I'm telling you, bro, just being traded out here changed me to a whole different person, whole different player. Like I'm just I'm itching, bro. I'm itching to get back out there and continue to prove myself right. Continue to, you know, earn my respect and get my respect. That's what I'm about, bro, and I'm about winning. Sounds like you've really found yourself a real home in Seattle. Jamal, can you see yourself staying there long term? Bro, I don't want to go anywhere. I, I, wanna, I, I, I literally want to retire here. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I love being up here. I've, I've, I've grew as a person off the field. Um, I've, grew, I've grew closer to the man above. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a changed person. I'm a changed man. Like I'm a changed football player, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm at peace with a lot of things. And I knew going in that a lot of people, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't, they thought I was nuts betting on myself. You know, I was a, I was a 24, 24 year old, you know, kid. God has placed me in, in, in the right location, and I know this is my calling. This is where I need to finish. Eric, how about you? Can you see yourself planting roots in Pittsburgh? Honestly, I saw myself forever staying in Indianapolis. And uh, it's to a point now where I really just want to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've played in the league a long time. Seven years is a long time. Hopefully longer. And at this point, man, I just want to win. And if that program can accept me for who I am and we're winning, I'm all for it. You know, when I really thought I was going to stay in Indianapolis forever and I didn't, it kind of just like put a blockade on like how I feel like being in one spot forever. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where I thought I was going to be. And I kind of like fell in love with, with that. So nah, not really. Like, do I really plan on or do I care to be in one place forever? No, but do I just want to be appreciated and play for winners, man, and people that just want to win? Hell yeah, like, that's really it. Emmanuel, have you had a chance to explore the neighborhoods of New Orleans yet? Yeah, I went to a couple um, eating spots out here. So far, you know, I, I like the city. It's different, right? It's different than Denver. Like, Denver got scenic views out here. They got really good food. They got really good people here. Uh, the accent out here is it's 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 funny because you'll see people from all types of races and backgrounds, and they all got that uh, New Orleans accent. How you doing, baby? You know, you doing all right, baby? You know, and so uh, that took a that took that took some getting used to, especially when I had saw a white person talk like that. I thought it was like black people that talk like that. Then I saw a white person say, "Hey, baby," I said, "What the hell?" 
Let's say what they. I said, oh, that's just a New Orleans culture. That's just a Louisiana culture. Good food and the Big Easy seem to go together. Wouldn't you agree, Manuel? Uh, yeah. So they, it's just soul food fried. They got fried chicken, the fried pork chops, the smothered pork chops. But uh, what what they really known for out here is the char char broiled oysters. Like I don't even eat oysters, right? Mike and uh, Thomas actually told me he was like, bro, you, you I know you, you say you don't like oysters, but you need to try the charbroiled oysters. And uh, I tried them. I was like, man, these things are fire. And I don't even like oysters. So that's what they known for. If you go to a lot of restaurants out here, like you will see that they have the char charbroiled uh, oysters. The two most significant moves I made was when I signed with the Seattle Seahawks because Seattle was home. Initially, I thought it was going to be perfect, but it wasn't, though. I was super stressed. I remember my first game thinking to myself, in those stands has to be my kindergarten teacher, the bully that picked on me in third grade, the girl I had a crush on in fifth grade. I was stressing myself out. I was giving myself more reasons to be stressed out about the game than ever before. But after a year, I finally settled, and I was like, you know what? It's just football. The second move I made was Detroit. And that was different because I didn't know anybody in Michigan. So every single person I met, they were all new people. And you know what? I identified more with Detroit than any other team I played in. The city was bankrupt when I was there. There was this dynamic when you lived in Detroit that either you can be completely disconnected from the hustle and the struggle or you can get involved in it. I got involved in it. I put myself in the city where the people was at. I went to the schools where the kids needed to see faces like mine. And I was heavily involved, 10 toes down. And when we won games there, it was like winning a Super Bowl. The hard times made me a better man. So when I have success now in life, I know what it's like to see despair. The response you get from a city when they know that you are genuinely concerned about the well-being of the people, that's the most rewarding thing in the world. Shout out to Detroit. Before we sign off this week, it's time for Quick Outs. Let's switch over to the NBA Finals. First, Jamal, what's your take on the treatment Danny Green received on social media for missing that three-point shot in Game 5? He got the last laugh. Like, do people not get it? Like, listen, everybody wants, oh, Bron should have took the last shot. Bron should have Okay, yes. Bron should have took he, Yeah, he... If 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 everything was just picture perfect, Bron takes the last shot. Of course, Bron's he got four people on him. He's he's in the moment. Nobody's in the moment like Bron was in the moment. He's the only one who knew what to do. He felt he he couldn't take the shot. He he usually makes that shot. He just didn't make it. It's part of the game, bro. You don't make you might you might miss a tackle. You might miss a free throw. You might miss a three game winner. Whatever, man. Don't matter. At the end of the day. He got the last laugh. I used to worry about what fans said. Used to type my name in on Twitter and stuff. I don't even do that no more, man. I've I've been past that since last year, bro. You, I I, I was once the the king, and I was I, I've been shot down. I was once the worst thing smoking. So look, hey, look, I, I heard it all. Been called every name in the book, man. I don't worry about that. Emmanuel, what's your take on the Danny Green situation? You know, as far as Danny Green missing that shot, you know, me and my boys, we be having our, our living room debate, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have it with you. 
You know, he and, and you know everybody's talking. Man, LeBron should have took that shot. Michael Jordan would have took that shot. Kobe Bryant would have took that shot. Right? I'm like, dude, the dude had three dudes on him. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want him to do? Obviously, people are gonna be like, man, I could have made that. Some dude who uh, who's a electrician on the side and hoops at the recreational park. You know, has hit that hit the top of hit that shot at the top of the key uh, a few times in the recreational game. He said, "Man, I, I I can make that shot." Man, you don't even understand the pressure that comes with that. So be quiet, right? And and that's no diss to whoever you are out there. If you listen to this, I'm just I'm just spitting facts. Like these guys are in the NBA for a reason, right? Um, and it's not because they can shoot. It's it's because truthfully they can handle the pressure of it. Eric and Danny Green have history. Oh my God! I mean, I know Danny. I went to school with Danny. Yeah. So me and Danny cool. And for people like, like even my fumble, people was like, oh man, you know, hold on to the ball. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you always drop it. I'm like, bro, I caught it. It was a fumble because I caught it. And the fact that I caught it and he dislodged it, you're not going to give the player any credit. It's like, oh, just F me. You know what I'm saying? Danny Green shoots 40% from three. There's not a lot of people that can do that. He missed a shot. It doesn't matter. Like, we're players, bro. Like, stuff happens, bro. Like, like we'll be okay. You know, we got another chance at it. Danny Green showed up the next game. Nobody said nothing. He an NBA champion. Good or bad, Eric doesn't allow social media to affect him. You just ignore it. It got to a point where I just ignore people's comments now. I, I respond sometimes to give myself, like, a little flavor throughout my day. A little laughter, you know what I'm saying? But other than that... Uh, man, we don't. I don't care what you're trying to say. Like at the end of the day, they're obviously in a position watching me because they couldn't do what I'm doing. So I'm not going to listen to someone that can't do what I can do, no better than I can do it. Tell me how I can do it. So boom. Now put that in a riddle. Eric has a special shout out to four-time NBA champion. LeBron James. Go James, you know what I'm saying? Ring number four, man, you know what I'm saying? I'm still a big MJ fan, but I'm big Bron, big Bron James fan, man. Go James, you know what I'm saying? Four rings. He get one more ring, you know what I'm saying? He he get one more ring, you know what I'm saying? We, we talking, it's going to be some real live, like, big boy talks when Bron get one more ring. Uh, and I hope he does, man. He, I hope he does. He is our generational's, like, athletic leader. Um, someone we all want to uh, all aspire to be like, you know, not not even on the basketball court. I think I think LeBron goes beyond the basketball court, man. And I, it's something like so dope. He's like the the example, the model citizen for what you want to be like. Like he's genius, genius, a sport genius. He didn't use it just to you know have his money and sit on it. He used it for the better. It's pretty cool. Dak Prescott's horrific ankle injury during the Cowboys-Giants game caused the entire football world to pause. Jamal feels for him. Prayers to Dak. I hate that for him, bro. Um, that's a that's a franchise player for that, organiza- that organization. That's that's a that's a role model to people, to other quarterbacks, man, to to, to black quarterbacks. A friend of mine, Godly, I just hate that for him. We've been battling since. College, man, and obviously we just played him. I hate to see that he doesn't have clarity of what's going to happen, you know, if the Cowboys are going to honor him and, you know, respect what, you know, he, he's, he's brought to that organization and the heart, the grit, the swagger, the confidence. And, damn, I, I, I pray that he finds peace with that. I pray that he gets what he deserves. You know, sometimes, you know, shit just happens. 
in our game. It's a da- it's a dangerous game. I don't think, you know, the defensive back tried to do that on purpose. I don't I don't believe in that. It's a lot of sacrifice, but we're human as well, bro. You know, we're we're we're, we're still human. We're just athletes. Emmanuel offers Dak some words of encouragement. One thing that I I I, I feel like it's all going to work itself out for him, right? I feel like it's all going to work itself out. Um the only thing is is you know, what do the Cowboys do, right? Like, do you take this guy and do you sign him to a long deal? In my opinion, like, they're not going to do that. They're going to say, we'll put you on another one-year deal, prove it deal, right? And now it's not going to be the same amount of money that you made. It's it's going to be a little less, and it's a prove it deal. I have a feeling that that he'll make it, man, just, just based how Dak is. And what more motivation do you need, right? Eric also has some thoughts on Dak. It's hard as a player, bro. It's hard, like... You have all of these people nonstop talking about, oh, you selfish, man. You selfish. You want all of this money. Man, it's so funny. You want all of this money, man, and you don't, you're not worth it. Or my dog is throwing for 400 yards a game. He did almost the same thing last year. He did the same thing when he asked for the amount of money he asked for, when he led the number one offense. He was leading, again, one of the top offenses in football. And... You go out there every day and put your life on the line. People don't understand that. We go out there and put every bone, limb, ligament, uh, tissue, uh, whatever on the line every time we go out there. Every muscle, every whatever. And anything can happen at any point in time. And you pray that it doesn't happen to you because, you know, at the end of the day, we are doing this at a very high level, but we're not only doing this for us, we're doing this for our families, man, people we care about, things of that nature. And something tragic happens like this. And it sucks because as a player, you want to be so selfish because you know what you have to protect and who you have to provide for. But at the end of the day, you want to be so humble and and loving to your teammates and all of these people that sacrifice with you. So you show up. And for Dak in that moment, everything outside of football that he wanted to protect is now up in the air because we know how this business works. We, we understand this business, you know. Ironically, Alex Smith, another QB who suffered an injury similar to Dax, saw his first action in over two years Sunday for the Washington football team. Emmanuel found Alex's comeback inspiring. I met Alex one time, and I got to keep it real. Like, I respect, you know, Alex, you know, coming back. But for me, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just, that's just me. And then, you know, like, I'm only saying that because, I mean, for what, right? Like... That was a scary incident. It can happen to me right now. And if it did, like, I think I'd just hang it up. You know, I, I, I respect him a lot, though, for, you know, battling back and then coming out and playing. But for me, like, a life-threatening situation, that would scare me. Um, especially, like, my biggest fear is not being, not being able to see my kids grow up, right? And so I know I play a violent sport and I've been able to get past it. But I think when a situation comes about like that, like, me, I probably would have hung it up, but I got mad respect for him for battling back and, and still going out and wanting to play for the for the Redskins. Jamal, looks like you and Ebron may be on a collision course to meet in Tampa early February. How's another Seattle-Pittsburgh Super Bowl sound? Yeah, yeah, he already know. He already know what time it is. Ebron's my guy. But, you know, hey, 
you know, the plan is to see you in the Super Bowl, then it's see you in the Super Bowl, man. You already know. Oh, man, that would be big. That would be big time right there. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe and get notified when a new episode drops every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, I'm just asking, if you do, which I know you do, fam, this is the best podcast out. Make sure you spread the love and share the show, you feel me? I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-hosts, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. This show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. Our associate producer is Logan Casherdale. Editing and sound designed by Chris Weatherspoon. The show is also produced by Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Brandon Gitches, senior director, podcast production at SiriusXM. Andy King, director, sports programming at SiriusXM. It's written by John McLaughlin. Special shout out on this episode to Dave Merrillis, Amanda Matos, and Karen Gill. Archival sound courtesy of the NFL Network and ESPN. All right, till next week, we out.